go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and along with my wife Leslie, we're excited to be with you today as we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken by Saint, to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church, and how this theme is relevant to the church today. Leslie and I have recently launched a lay apostolate called Encounter Jesus Discipleship Ministries. You can learn more about us and our passion for renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 12 years ago, and that's when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. And hopefully, through the ministry of this radio program, we can provide pathways for you as individuals, as well as parishes, to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. If you're joining us for the first time, we've initiated a series that we believe is critical to rebuilding and renewing the American Catholic Church. Our series is The Call to Return to Biblical Christianity. The theme that we're currently discussing is taking us on a journey into the Acts of the Apostles, where we're rediscovering the characteristics that made the early Christians such a powerful force at that time. This call is challenging each of us to rebuild these qualities, first in our own lives, in our families, at the parish level, and yes, even at the national level. Peter, these past few weeks we've been discussing how the Holy Spirit is the overarching theme in the Acts of the Apostles, and how the church we encounter in the New Testament book is really dependent on the Holy Spirit. And it promotes for us the vital place that the Holy Spirit should be playing in all of our church life. We've also been discussing the call to structure the parish around four spiritual disciplines or spiritual building blocks, as you like to refer to them. Mm -hmm. We've noted that the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, led the new believers into a new structure. Peter, could you give us just a short summary that will lead us into today's topic? Yes, as you pointed out, Leslie, immediately after Pentecost and Peter preached, uh, there were 3,000 new believers. And the apostles immediately structured them in a way that they could impart four key disciplines in their lives. And we mentioned, number one, the apostles' teaching. That's the oral tradition that was passed from Jesus to the apostles. Secondly, fellowship. That was co the communal life together, as the, uh, one of the translations calls it, communal life. Third, the breaking of bread which all the church fathers tell us was the Eucharist, the sacrament of the Eucharist, and finally, the prayers, with that definite article, the prayers. To put it another way, Leslie, the first believers were united as a family. They really were put into a spiritual family, and they learned together, they lived together, they ate together, they worshiped together, and they prayed together. This is what we mean by rebuilding, uh, Leslie, 
uh, this theme of this broadcast can be brought down to a few essentials, and I really believe that that's one of the essentials. Well, if you missed the broadcast last week, please listen to the podcast on the four spiritual disciplines. And we did provide some practical ways that biblical Christianity can be restored. It can become a reality in the local parish by implementing these four building blocks. And today we're also, Leslie, going to learn the foundational to biblical Christianity is relationships. Relationships. The Holy Spirit, through the apostles, built the church relationally, didn't he? If you think about it, first of all, relationship to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's our vertical relationship, right? But also, it's essential to know that the apostles built the church relationally, that is, relationships to brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and that's the horizontal part of our relationships. I've always liked this scripture in Revelation 1-9, where the apostle John is, for, is visited by the Lord himself, and then John starts reflecting that he uh, is going to write this letter uh, this revelation to the churches. And he says this, he starts by introducing himself to the churches. He says, I, John, your brother. He didn't say, I, John, your apostle. I, John, the disciple of Jesus that leaned on his breast. Or I, John, your ecclesial authority. I like he said, I, John, your brother. I've, I've never really thought about that. Yeah, that, is, yeah. that is really nice. Yeah. So the New Testament church was built into a brotherhood and sisterhood that lived a shared life together. Well, Peter, you just pointed out to us that the church was built upon relationships, and I really like the way you pointed out that we have both a vertical relationship with our Lord and Savior, but also a horizontal relationship with the brethren in the church, mm -hmm. and that's a picture of the cross, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So how does building relationships work in the church, and where do we see this in the New Testament? So I'm so glad you asked that because this is a passion of mine, Leslie. There are literally 59 times, 59, in the New Testament where the phrase is used, one another. For instance, love one another, forgive one another. But 59 times that phrase is used. These are the behaviors that we may not overflow out of our relationship with Jesus, but these are things that Jesus calls us to do with each other. Other people must be involved in our lives for us to walk in those one another verses. Right. That's why they're called the one another verses. Right. Many of these verses have been taught in the church and in the pulpit, which is great, but few of them can be lived out by believers within the context of most church programming. I've got two favorite quotes that I heard from a minister one time that said this, Leslie, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another it's one anothering one another and then secondly the minister said when everyone is sitting in rows you can't do the one another's so if the church's focus does not include putting people into circles leslie and not just rows throughout the week we will not have an opportunities many opportunities to be the church that the apostles had in mind when we're intentional about guard, guiding the church towards biblical community, we create more space for the one another's. And it's much easier to do one anothering in circles rather than rows. I'd like to read a scripture that, again, brings us back to these new believers and how these apostles were uh, putting their lives together 
to live this new wine and new wineskins. It says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they took their possessions and goods and distributed them to all, any who had need. And day by day, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food and glad and generous, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And I like this last verse. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Well, these verses really show how they truly did share life together and that their community was built on relationships that took place day to day, daily, not just on Sundays. So we're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll discuss in more detail how these circles or small group structures allow God's people to experience the one another verses. So st please stay with us through the break. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Hi, I'm Patty Cochran. Are you a non-Catholic who listens to Catholic Radio? Would you like to find out more about how to join the Catholic Church? There's a program called RCIA that can introduce you to the Catholic faith and it's available at your local parish. You don't have to make a commitment to participate in the program, just try it out. I did, and it was one of the best steps I've ever made. Contact your local parish office for more information and start your journey home. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we are continuing our series, The Call to Return to Biblical Christianity and Our Journey Through the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, we've been learning about some new themes today, um, themes that help will help us rebuild the church, and we've been discussing how the New Testament church was founded on relationships and how they shared life together. So, Peter, how does a small group structure help us experience the one another verses? Well, first of all, Leslie, let me inform our listeners that we've just completed a guidebook for parishes on how to begin a small group ministry in their church. The guidebook is free of charge. Along with the guidebook, we also offer an opportunity to meet with us so that we can provide guidance, helping those who'll be implementing the small group structure again, again, free of charge to help with the implementation. The reason I say some guidance with the guidebook is because many questions arise in sorting through just what a small group is and the distinction from structures like Bible studies, self-help ministries, which are good, or in the parish ministries that have a small group dynamic. For instance, like uh, there's groups like That Man Is You that's a very popular ministry in local parishes that has a small group dynamic, but still that's different from a small group in and of itself. So with that backdrop, let's talk about the whys and the why nots and the whys and the whats of a small group movement within the local church. First of all, let's do the whys. I'm familiar with a quote from uh, St. John Paul II who said this, he said, drawing upon a thorough discussion of small communities, he made this statement at the 1987 Synod on Vocations and Missions of the Lay Faithful. 
He said this, Leslie, he urged local ecclesial authorities, that's local bishops and pastors, to foster these living communities. They are, he said, where the faithful can communicate the word of God and express it in service to love, and here's the phrase, one another. Remember, one another. These communities are true expressions of ecclesial community and communion and centers for evangelization in communion with their pastors. So with that as a backdrop from the Pope, Jesus, when he came on the scene, Leslie, didn't he? He turned things upside down and he shifted the paradigms of his day. In the parable that we spoke of last week with the new wine and the new wineskins needed, he taught us that, they, that if new wine was being poured out, also new wineskins would be essential. He instructed his disciples that his gospel would be put into different structure and different contexts. And just as the gospel in Jesus' day required a fresh wineskin, didn't it, to contain this new wine, so today we have new focus that we are considering called the new evangelization, the importance of discipleship, and like Pope Francis has called us to become missionary disciples, this all requires new wineskins. Small groups in the parish can be an essential structure, a new wineskin, if you will, that propels the parish towards renewal in the third millennium. Well, Peter, uh, small groups have been a passion for us, and you and I have been engaged in them for over 40 years, going ba back to our days as young Christians in college. Yep. And I remember when I first rededicated uh, my life to Jesus Christ, uh, one of our college students in, the, in our fellowship that we were involved in invited me to attend a small group meeting that was taking place in a home. That was my first experience with a small group, yep. mm -hmm. and this did become truly the basis for me to form relationships with other Christians who actually supported me and helped me grow in my faith. And to this day, that the small group model, I believe, on our college campuses is truly critical for our young people uh, to really be able to find camaraderie and strength to walk out their Christian faith in the context of um, the university culture, which we know can be pretty dark sometimes. And yes. Mm -hmm. Some of my fondest memories are meeting in small groups with fellow believers and of course, it's where I met you. Yes, and for the record, there's not a better place to meet your future spouse, right? Right. I used to in my when I wasn't walking with the Lord, I thought it was in bars, <laughs> but in the Lord, I found that it was in a small group. So uh, another why, Leslie, uh, is that Jesus went to the synagogues. Remember. That's where he started his ministry to proclaim his message and teachings. But we also see that he created a base of ministry in Simon Peter's house in the context of the relationships that he had called to follow and to develop with. Uh, remember, we were in Simon's house when we visited Israel that was right across the street from the synagogue. So he went from the synagogue when they didn't receive his message, and he took his disciples and, and developed a launching pad, if you will, in Simon Peter's house. The scriptures then tell us a scene, the first scene from Simon Peter's house, when Simon's mother, Peter's mother, was ill. And it says that Jesus, in the house, grasped her, helped her up, 
And in the process, the fever left her. She was sick with a fever and Lord knows what else. And she began to serve the household right after Jesus touched her. So not only was Simon, along with uh, his brother Andrew, chosen to become fishers of men, Leslie, but Simon's house was chosen to become a sacred space. The incarnate Son of God, there he is, Jesus, administered healing to that household, and it became a platform for his ministry. These scriptures then draw our attention to the fact that ministry was done in the home uh, with, with the Lord. And within this context, there was important connections that we can consider at the beginning of the Lord's choices and how he ministered. Well, not only were we in a small group when we were college students, but then after we married, we were married, we were in a small group with other young married couples. Mm-hmm. And um, the small group can be a place where obviously you can find healing and restoration. And that was the situation with us. We met in a home and like Peter's mother-in-law, we were in a place where we needed that healing touch of Jesus. And this was a time in our life that we had Uh, just lost our first child she only lived for 48 hours and we were in a place of dark depression and I had been diagnosed with some complications um, related to childbearing and at that time we received some healing and prayer during that time Mm -hmm. and there was a individual in the small group who stepped forward and had a scripture for us and it was almost a prophetic word of healing and it was from jeremiah 29 11 and this brother in the lord said for surely i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans for your welfare and not for harm to give you a future with hope and it restored, It definitely gave us faith and hope for the future. That evening, Leslie, was definitely a life changer for us. And I don't think it could have happened in a structure where we were with like several hundred people or we were in a place where we were in a public setting. And we're also in a small group right now um, with other adults. And we have examples as well of ministering uh, to one of our brothers in the Lord during a time when he was battling cancer. Mm -hmm. And so that structure of bringing healing and hope to others is really, really critical. Well, we're going to go ahead and take another short break. And when we return, we're going to discuss some of the how-tos of a small group structure and give you some details that will hopefully create a desire for you to start a small group in your parish or join an existing one. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. At Catholic Radio, we love to hear from you. Call us anytime. Just recently, we found this message on our voicemail. I'm a non-Catholic that listens to your Catholic radio station, and I just want to thank you guys. I listen to uh, Catholic Answers and Al Cresta sometimes, and I think her name's Teresa Tommy. I listen to her and uh, another show or two. I appreciate it. Call us at 317-870-8400 and let us know what you're thinking. I just called to say, even though I'm not a Catholic, I listen to your station. Welcome back to today's broadcast. We've been discussing small groups and the vital place that they play in the church. In our last segment, we saw how Jesus began his public ministry in the context of a house, that was Simon Peter's, and how it became a place of healing and ministry. 
The Holy Spirit through the apostles immediately after Pentecost began forming the new believers, not only with new teachings, new types of communal fellowship, new liturgies, new prayers, but he also led them to meet in small groups in homes. So Peter, I know this was your thesis when you were studying for your master's in theology as well, but what does a small group experience look like? So th- thanks for that, Leslie. I'd like to uh, just paint a picture for us in a very practical way. If you've never attended a small group, kind of walk you through what that experience is like, and hopefully you'll get a picture of a small group meeting. First of all, small group meetings typically last about an hour and a half, and they take place in the homes. We've found that um, having a small group in a home versus in a Paris setting really helps people touch one another in their domestic church experience in the family it's, it more, it's much more personal yeah, isn't it, it? and there's a there's an aspect of hospitality that goes into that it's really a blessing so uh let's take let's let's for uh this model sakes let's say that we're going to a meeting at seven o'clock leslie okay so everybody arrives at seven o'clock and it's going to last till 8 30 uh however there's obviously variations usually people pick times and places that the majority of the group can meet But again, the focus I want to start out with is to say to fight to try to meet in homes uh, versus meeting on church property and grounds, etc. Right. And our small group rotates the homes that we meet in. So um, different people have volunteered to take different terms. Right. Uh, Where are... Or there could be one person who ends up being the host for the small group. Right. Especially to get it started. So the group arrives and... um, uh, the group becomes comfortable with one another in the home meeting, as we mentioned, and we begin properly. We try to always start on time because we want to respect people's times. That's one of the norms that we put together in terms of being on time, if you will. And it begins with an informal greeting and uh, uh uh, what, what, wishing well to one another. And then from about 7.05, uh, these times are flexible, but from 7.05 for 15 minutes, uh, the group updates and opens up with, how have you been doing since the last time we met? And we share news concerning our personal life, family, friends, and parish activities. And it's during that time, a lot of times we find that people are struggling. I can remember the time when we met and Myron shared with our group for the first time that he was diagnosed with cancer. That was heavy. And, but it also was a place where uh, we set in motion a time of prayer and journeying with him for about a year till God miraculously brought him through that. So after a time of sharing for about 15 minutes, then there, we also then move to group discussion. This includes Bible study and readings, etc. But the content in a small group is different, Leslie, than just sharing intellectually with one another because the context is faith sharing. So whatever, whatever, um, whatever, uh, thing we're studying, we always break it down to personalize it and emphasize how does this affect my spiritual life. That's the group discussion or, that takes Or place. how is it helping you grow in your faith? Yeah, or it, how is it presenting a challenge for you? Or yeah. um, People have gotten very vulnerable, too, and shared where they feel like they're falling short in an area. Yeah, exactly. So that's a part of the group, uh, that group discussion, and that usually lasts for about 30 minutes. 
when we go through that. Then the group will move towards the gospel reading that's coming up that Sunday. One of the things that we like to say about small group uh, structure is that they're Eucharistic. And by that, I mean that they're connected with the parish and they're always looking forward to the Sunday gathering where we become, as St. John Paul said, a community of communities. So it's during that time that that one of the members of the group will read the gospel for the upcoming Sunday. He'll make a comment and then he'll draw the other members of the group into discuss that gospel reading. Well, and I think I've gotten so much more out of the Sunday's gospel reading uh, when we do have a reading of it in our small group, because I've already been thinking about it and discussing it with within my small group. I know we've kind of reflecting on it for three or four days. And it's, and it's, it's, it's funny, like when I hear the gospel, I say to myself, Oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, it was at the small group meeting. And there was some reflections that I bring into that discussion. So uh, the next point, then, af- this has got us down to about 10 minutes left in the meeting if we're trying to stay faithful to the hour and a half, which we really do. I'm a, I'm a clock watcher, and I kind of move us along here if I'm facilitating. We always end with group prayer. And if we're gathering in person, which we always have for years, except during COVID, we're back gathering in person now, we form a prayer circle. And before the prayer begins, we assign a member to end the prayer time with the Our Father. During this time, members share their personal prayer requests, uh, share thanksgivings. But the the power of praying together is a real, for many Catholics, Catholics, to pray spontaneously like that can be a very new experience for them. So when the prayers are complete, like I said, the Our Father is prayed by all, and then prayer is ended by the sign of the cross, and we're at about, again, an hour and a half into gathering together, right? Right. So uh, then the meeting usually ends at that point, but we also, if we like, we have a fellowship time where the host or somebody besides the host will bring in a snack and there will be fellowship, casual fellowship around food and um, just kind of reflecting on uh, family life, reflecting on um, uh, children. And I, I, how, how about the time uh, when uh, we met and our son was in Afghanistan? Remember right. that? I was going to say prayer and fellowship have always been really essential to uh, building relationships within a small group. So that's when we share life together, sharing our joys and our sorrows. And when our son was deployed in Afghanistan, the Lord sustained us. It was in that one another environment where our small group actually stood with us for the entire 10 months in prayer. And it was a time, it was very difficult. I'll never forget it. But the Lord really used our small group gathering as a spiritual sanctuary to help us get through that time. Yes, he really did. I can remember Skyping with my son as he was in a tent for 10 months, and uh, it was very difficult for us, but that small group really helped us get through that time. Amen to all that, Leslie. We want to thank you, audience, today for joining us uh, to help connect individuals and parishes to the rebuilding and the renewal of the Catholic faith here in America. To hear our past programs, go to catholicradioindy.org and press the big blue button at the top left corner of the webpage. And make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. 
Goodbye, everyone, and keep the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 103.7.